Hello, hello. We're here to talk about something I saw online and it really disturbed me. Now I'm watching this is uh we're watching the current election. It's Trump, Pence v uh Biden and Harris. Uh to me this whole Harris thing, Biden Harris, uh Obama Biden. Interesting. Okay, you do the math on that mentally. Anyway, I was online and I was on Instagram. I saw a video and I totally forgot about this. And I've never been a real big fan of Obama. I'm independent. I'm not no Republican. I'm not hating on him just to be hating him. I'm hating on him because there's reasons not to like Obama and to believe that Obama is fake. Now, during his presidency, I was the guy that was telling black folks that he ain't one of us and, you, and not to expect anything from him. So this next part is uh, is one reason why. And it pertains to Flint water crisis. We're going to cover this Clint water. A lot, a lot of people know about the whole Flint thing is in regards to water, the bad water, Fulham. But but to add insult to injury, here's a part from uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, Michael Moore. We're going to play this. It's self-explanatory. And when a message is urgent enough, sometimes help arrives. City of Flint, USA. May 5th, 2016, POTUS has arrived. The people of Flint had one last beacon of hope. We were all invited to this big thing where the President Obama was going to speak to us about the problem. Oh my gosh, this is so cool! Oh, yes! Pretty good. Oops, Pretty good, huh? Here. <laughs> We've been waiting. Once Jesus has arrived. Obama's coming. Push this with urgency. Mm. While President Obama was on his way to the event, Governor Snyder thought he'd take okay, to the stage go. and warm up the crowd. Try to skip over this part. No one likes Snyder. Very unpopular at the time. And seen as part of the problem. Probably most of the problem. And in his response. I understand why you're angry and frustrated. Not like we do. I want to come here today. White and black people, literal audience, mostly black, it looks like. Probably like 90, 80 to 90 percent black. We have a short term water crisis that needs to be repaired. Here come Obama. Rolling up in his motorcade to the event. Thank you for caring for us, Thank you for caring for us, Obama. Thank you. Thank you. Flint's recovery is everybody's responsibility. And I'm going to make sure that responsibility is met. That's why I'm here. To tell you directly that I see you and I hear you. <laughs> we invest 
can, can I get some water? Come on up here. I want a glass of water. Get a bottle. A bottle of water. I want a glass of water. Everybody settle down. This is a feisty crowd. Thank you. I really did need a glass of water. This is not a stunt. What? He, he wet his lips. He did not drink it. He didn't sip people. it. He wet his lips. There was an audible gasp in the audience. People were just like absolutely dejected. Why would you do that? I, I am sure that somewhere when I was two years old, I was taking now, this a sip of paint. Up. Hold up. Let's run it again. Can, can I get some water? Come on up here. I want a glass of water. Get a bottle. A bottle of water. I want a glass of water. Everybody settle down. This is a feisty crowd. Thank you. I really did need a glass of water. This is not a stunt. What? He, he wet his lips. He did not drink it. He didn't sip it. He wet his lips. There was an audible gasp in the audience. People were just like absolutely dejected. Why would you do that? I, I am sure that somewhere when I was two years old, I was taking a chip of paint, tasting it, and I got some lead. Yeah, that's like talking about like, well, I didn't wear a seatbelt and I'm fine. It's like, but there were tons of people that died. Backstage, the president sitting at the table with the criminal governor decided to perform his stunt all over again. You know, generally I have not been doing stunts here, but you know. <laughs> that's not what I expected. That's right. what Snyder did. It felt like he minimized like what people were actually going through and struggling with. If you were actually lead poisoned, you would not be president. You would be janitor Barack Obama. We were holding on to hope that he would declare a disaster area. A disaster would give us FEMA. It would give us pipe replacement, get engineers in, a, in here. Then we could get Medicare for all the residents of Flint. As soon as he took a drink of the water and said everything's fine, that was that. Was that. And look at it, years later, it's still poison. When he came here, it was my president. But when he left, he was not my president. I would, again, go back to the president's visit last week. He reinforced the message that filtered water has been determined to be safe for people to drink. This, again, was our hero, and we thought he was going to come here and help us. But they do have a mural of him. And you ride past it now and his head is busted out. It was devastating and it depressed the vote. And I know people that stayed home and just said to hell with all of them. And I, I don't know, I just don't, I don't know. But, to, but to I don't know why, I don't know why anybody would have advised him to do that. And I don't know why I would do it. And to the average person then, then the Democrats don't look like the people who are gonna come to the rescue. Right.
So in Flint, the number is something like 8,000 African-American voters who voted twice for Obama chose not to vote. Hillary lost in Michigan by two votes per precinct on average. Two votes per precinct. 10,000 and some votes was it. So where are we left? Yeah. Now, damn. See, people don't like receipts, see? This is a factual thing that happened. Actual, factual. <laughs> and so, when we're talking about dealing in reality, a lot of us don't deal in it and call this man great. This alone is enough to make you question him and everything that comes behind him, chiefly his wife. I don't think, I think she's, she's running with the same system he runs with, and I don't trust her neither. Just like I don't trust Oprah, same vein of person. Now, and Gail. So, they, okay. Now, we're going to uh, talk about now today. Now, they just reached a settlement. Michigan announced $600 million uh, to the victims of Flint, which I did the math a little bit, and it equals around 30,000 30, a person for everyone. Uh, I think 20,000 uh, apply for payments. So, sense of reporting on this story from Flint, and she joins us now. Adriana, good morning. On the one hand, $600 million might sound like a lot, but on the other, there was a lot of damage there as well. How are residents of Flint reacting this morning? Good morning. Although the state claims that Flint's water quality has met federal standards for three years now, many residents tell us they don't trust officials and they still don't trust the water. One person told us yesterday that no amount of money can heal the suffering of those impacted by this crisis. And the coronavirus pandemic is just making their situation worse. It ain't worth nothing. Money, money don't equal health like it don't. You can be rich and die. <laughs> like. It ain't, it ain't the same. Craig Davis is a lifelong Flint resident who has lived the devastation brought on by the city's tainted water crisis. It's almost like we got PTSD with the water because who gonna really drink it comfortably? Like, you know what I'm saying? When people actually lost their lives to it. He's also a coronavirus survivor and says he and his neighbors are struggling to deal with both issues at the same time. Now you got people that's taking extra money out their pockets and just going to the grocery store and just buying up the water in the grocery store. But you add on the pandemic, now the water is not even there to even grab. The water crisis started in 2014 when, as a cost-cutting measure, officials switched the city's water source from Lake Huron to the Flint River. But the water was improperly treated, allowing lead and other chemicals from the pipes to leach into the water supply. The city switched back to its original water source in 2015. My heart breaks because the fact of the matter is I handed them the glasses of water. CBS News was on the ground in Flint for months at the height of the crisis. We heard firsthand from parents about how they believed the tainted water affected their children. When I hear my son get up at night and cry because his bones hurt and there's nothing I can give him, there's nothing I can do for him to take away his pain, 
I feel completely helpless. Although tens of thousands of plaintiffs are reportedly set to receive a payout as part of the settlement, much of the money is expected to go toward the children affected by the crisis. Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely says he hopes this settlement provides some sense of victory for families. It allows Flint residents to move forward in a positive way, uh, getting out of the mindset of being victims, but more of as victors. Uh, and that's where we need to move as a community. Now, so we see how that played out. It's pretty, what is that? Years later, I want to say, this is, I don't know, it's hard for me to listen to. How they cheated the people of Flint. And how it started. And how a brother who we call black, who thought had our back, because we know what the other cats going to do. Our, they have a position. We know what their position is. But we thought we had somebody in office. We thought we had a comrade in arms that was going to help the black community. We try, Now, fast forward to now, they're trying to run that same thing again. Um, we're going to talk about our sister candidate. Let me cue this up. Let me see. I'm, on, I'm doing everything live right, right at the hard drive. I was in here. Senator Kamala Harris. She black woman, honorary, um, not Ados, but that's another story. But when asked if she's going to do anything for black folks, she come in on some. She come in on some. That same stuff. But Obama, man, he that's tantamount to treason what he did. So we're going to play this clip to start it, to start, start it off. Let's go. We have disparities around income. And we have to recognize that everybody did not start out on an equal footing in this country. And in particular, black people have not. And so we have got to recognize that and do something about that and give folks a lift up. That's why, for example, I'm proposing the LIFT Act. Give people who are making $100,000 or less as a family a tax credit, which will benefit and uplift 60% of black families who are in poverty. So by default, it affects black families, but there's not a particular policy for African-Americans that you would explore. But no, if you look at the, the reality of who will benefit from certain policies, when you take into account that they're not starting at, at, at the same place and they're not, stand, they're not starting on equal footing, it will directly benefit black children, black families, black homeowners, because the disparities are so significant. So if we focus on the specific issues that have resulted in the greatest disparities, and we understand that that's part of why we're doing it. Listen, the, the reality also is this. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole and the country. Mm -hmm. 
Right? Yeah. Yeah, sister girl, a.k.a. Black. She one of us. What'd she say? What'd she say, sister girl? That that's part of why we're doing it. Listen, the, the reality also is this. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not gonna sit here and say, I'm gonna do something that's only gonna benefit black people. No, because no. whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole and the country, right? Yeah, right. Nothing for black folks, but they want your vote. They need our votes to help her get in power so she can have power to do what? To do what? about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No. Because whatever Why benefits not? that black family will benefit because that community and society as a whole and the country. She was saying this. And now we again, we had over 200 years of slavery. We had Jim Crow for almost a, a, a century. We had legalized discrimination segregation and now we have it, it, segregation and discrimination that is not legal but still exists and is a barrier to progress. We have disparities around housing. We have disparities around education. We have disparities around income. And we have to recognize that everybody did not start out on an equal footing in this country. And in particular, black people have not. And so we have got to recognize that and do something about that and give folks a lift up. That's why, for example, I'm proposing the LIFT Act. Give people who are making $100,000 or less as a family a tax credit, which will benefit and uplift 60% of black families who are in poverty. So by default, it affects black families, but there's not a particular policy nope. for African Americans that you would explore. Nope. But no, if you look at Stutter. The, the reality of who will benefit from certain policies, when you take into account that they're not starting at the, at the same place and they're not stand, they're not starting on equal footing, it will directly benefit black. Now, now, ain't that some bullshit? See, I think a lot of our own kind is so they want so much to feel like they have power. They want to feel like they got one of their own in the office, but this ain't one of our own. One of our own don't talk like this. When a black man talk like this, when someone talks like this, and they don't have all that boule behind them, they get called a coon. And there's a lot, of, yeah, and they might be a coon. So that's not being a coon. I mean, would you support someone that says that? Straight up. Now we're going to go on to something else. Hold on. Let me pull this up. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay. Next clip is this. And I'm wanna, proud of that word. I want to bring in Congresswoman Gabbard. Gabbard. Congresswoman Gabbard, you took issue with Senator Harris confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a quote 
false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place. That impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. As the elected Attorney General of California, I did the work of significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, which became a national model for the work that needs to be done. And I am proud of that work. And I am proud of making a decision to not just give fancy speeches or be in a legislative body and give speeches on the floor, but actually doing the work of being in the position to use the power that I had to reform a system that is badly in need of reform. That is why we created initiatives that were about re-entering former offenders and getting them counseling. It is why, and because I know that criminal justice Thank system you, is Senator. so broken, that I am an advocate for what Thank we you, need Senator. to do to your, not your only decriminalize, but legalize marijuana in the United States. I want to I bring uh, Congresswoman uh, Gabbard back in. Your response, please. The bottom line is, Senator Harris, when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives, you did not. And worse yet, in the case of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. Senator Harris. <laughs> My entire career. I have been opposed, personally opposed to the death penalty, and that has never changed. And I dare anybody who is in a position to make that decision, to face the people I have faced, to say, I will not seek the death penalty. That is my background. That is my work. I am proud of it. I think you can judge people by when they are under fire, and it's not about some fancy opinion on a stage, but when they're in the position to actually make a decision, what do they do? When I was in the position, of having to decide whether or not to seek a death penalty on cases I prosecuted, I made a very difficult decision that was not popular to not seek the death penalty. History shows that, and I'm okay. proud of Senator Harris, thank you very much. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, let's run it back. Let's look at something here. Come on. Let's see. One second. These are, let's see. Because like I said, this is what I say. Yeah, the, the Republicans are notorious for voter suppression. On the news, that's what, you know, they're talking about throwing people out to voter rolls, doing this, doing that. But now, by all estimations, Kamala has locked up 20,000 black men. Never in the now, 
that's a lot of people. And there's other accusations against her. And okay, I'm going to do this off the cuff too. I was watching a movie. It's called Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's probably like about a year ago. Good film. Remind me of like the white dude, uh, Wes Anderson's uh, Darjeeling Limited, all that. Kind of along that vein. Very, you know, with some Spike Lee, kind of well shot. And then one of the characters in the movie is uh, this guy. Now, here's a little short story they did on uh, V-I-C-E. Let's see. Pull it up here. A million years, I would have thought that they were going to charge me for sales murder. I never talked to no detective, no police officer, no DA, nobody. Just arrested and then charged. Arrested and charged. That's it was the first time you saw Kamala Harris in person the day that the verdict was issued? She showed up at the two most pivotal times in this first trial and me being convicted and me being sentenced. She wanted to be present for a celebration of a, of a conviction. That's what it felt like, a That's celebration? A celebration. That's what it felt like. The reaction I get when I tell people my story is they say it's, it's the worst nightmare. You know, it's the closest thing to dying. Jamal, I want to read you a, a quote real quick. The job of a progressive prosecutor is to look out for those overlooked, to speak up for those whose voices aren't being heard, to see and address the causes of crime, not just their consequences, and to shine a light on the inequality and unfairness that lead to injustice. It is to recognize that not everyone needs punishment, that what many need, quite mm -hmm. obviously, is help. Kamala Harris wrote that uh, in her book, The Truths We Hold. Uh, does that sound consistent with the kind of, with, with the brand of justice that you saw administered by offices that she was running? It definitely sounds like Kamala Harris right now as a senator, but at the time of her being the head district attorney of San Francisco, that is almost polar opposite of what I felt and what our community felt in San Francisco. So Jamal, where are we? Uh, right now we are in Sunnydale Projects, where I was born and raised at. Now this isn't a place that you you want to bring so outsiders into. In a you kind of get some of these stories that's that's going on. I mean, we could. People have opinions. We're going to put some of these opinions out here. Even the popular show, Joe Rogan. A lot of people don't like Joe. I listen to Joe from time to time, but I just thought, you know, for the sake of the show and uh, an opinion, this is all, this is, uh, I'm using these clips for fair use for, you know, just to have opinions. I have my opinion. A lot of people have their opinions. And to convey a story. Okay, we got one right here. Let's run it. Everything you can to make sure that Trump is not elected. Um, that part. And I will say that 
even even she's an improvement as vice president um, if he does pick her. Anything's an improvement in my mind. This so with that lawyer, caveat, we, it would take this podcast and four more to go through. She fiercely fought wrongful convictions and was shamed by judges when she was district attorney in San Francisco. What was the case? The, Ga- the Gage case? George Gage. The George Gage case where her prosecutors hid evidence um, and they tried to protect. Once she knew that there was um, evidence that was withheld from defense attorneys, once she should have known, in my opinion, that people were innocent, she tried to protect those convictions. Why? Because she wanted to continue winning. She blocked DNA. She, she went to great lengths to try to block access to DNA for people that were accused of or convicted of felonies. Think about it. We're talking about a $12 DNA test to see if the biological material from a crime um, that has been preserved is actually the defendant's, right? She blocked access to that. I mean, list- How do you block access to something like that? That seems like that should be a right. Yeah, it seems like it should be a right, but in a lot of states, there's legislation that says you cannot get access to it, and the, the rationale behind it is that it will open up a floodgate of criminal defendants asking for the biological evidence in their case to be tested. I mean, can Oh, you that's even- the last thing we would want is yeah. more innocent people being freed. <laughs> so what was her justification for this? You know, when she's asked for her justification of it, it's always been on a debate stage, and she'll always default to, I, I stand by my record as a prosecutor, and um, she's never had a, a, an explanation that I have ever seen. I don't know, Jason. There was Jason and I were talking about this before we came on today because there was a New York Times piece by, um, her name's escaping me. Lara Bazelon. Uh, Lara Bazelon, which if... If any of your listeners want to listen to her, she goes into, you know, exhaustive detail about specific cases and things that Kamala Harris did. And, you know, the sad part about it, yeah, that's it right there. New York Times, Kamala Harris was not a progressive prosecutor. Yeah, she was often on the wrong side of history. Um, what, you know, what is that? The highlight, the marijuana one that you just oh, highlighted? She, she, she stood by criminalizing marijuana in this state. Now, listen, what we can hope is that she's certainly been saying all the right things lately. I don't know what to believe, to be honest. Well, it's because she wants to be the president. Well, okay, fair enough. I mean, I, I like to believe that people can evolve, and I hope that her now, have evolved. Now she's these, legalization. you can uh, get the idea, the and there's names, and you can Google this yourself, which I already have. So, like I said, there's no greater de- no greater vote suppression than mass incarceration. You can't vote if you're in jail, you got records, or it takes you a long time. But of course, we have people in our community, you know, no matter what the price. And they don't care. It's the history-making moment Joe Biden asked Kamala Harris to be his running mate. That's right. Ready to go to work? Oh, my God. I'm so ready to go to work. 
why Biden is being mocked on social media over this photo of that. Here, let's get to the meat of the story. Oh, this cornballs. Well, let's see. One second. Yeah, I'm sitting here at a desk. Yeah, they, her affiliations are important. You know what I'm saying? People who support throwing black men under the bus and in jail. Senator's secret weapon. They are an army of members of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority who have been among her most loyal supporters since she pledged at historically black Howard University. There she is, fourth from the left. I spoke with her sorority sister, Lori Sadler Rice. You've got the strength of all of Alpha Kappa, all of Howard University, and then the strength as a sorority, we're over 300,000 women nationally, 300,000 women. That's power. AKA sisters have their own greeting. You may be hearing it a lot on the campaign. The first woman of color on a presidential ticket and only the fourth woman, Kamala Harris famously went head to head with Biden over his former stance on busing. There was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Carol Porter was a classmate who was bused to school with her. What was your reaction when you heard that? When I saw that, it was, I would say, a little bit emotional. Um, and I connected. I mean, I was, I've always been connected with Kamala, but I mean, I really connected with her then because I remember all of that came flooding back. I'm She's to married to entertainment lawyer Douglas Emhoff. His two children from a previous marriage call her Mamala. Doug, his ex-wife, the kids, Kamala, um, they're very close and um, have a lot of fun together. When an animal rights activist grabbed her mic at a campaign event last year, her husband leapt on stage to rush to her aid. You can expect to see more of this. Nice. Nice. Affiliations. Her husband, uh, Douglas Emhoff, Jewish lawyer, stepkids, AKAs, they got her back. But she criminalized black men and people in general. Law and order candidate. Running with Joe. Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden says. What did Joe Biden say? What did he say? Let's see if we can find a clip. That shit had me rolling when I heard it. Because I was like, I know this motherfucker didn't. All right, let's cue it. And this is what, beside all the other stuff, look, people going to say you don't have a choice. Either you want Trump back in office or you want Biden Harris. And there may be some element of truth to that. I don't want Trump back in office. Trump is corrupt beyond corrupt. I think the motherfucker going to jail. 
They ain't gonna go. Look, she didn't even prosecute Steve Mnuchin, who is, I think he's the Treasury Secretary now. He is the, known as the foreclosure clean, uh, king of California who was stealing people's homes during the last recession. She didn't convict any, didn't convict. Now, let's roll this crazy shit back. Let's see if we can cue it right to this. Oh, here we go. Let's see if we can. Let's see. Let's try to pull it. Here we go. They're disproportionately uninsured in the African American. There's Joe. Make up the essential jobs. The hell is that? That they can't do at home. They're risking their lives every day. Enough's enough. What's, what's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just sauce. Really? Pandering. Yeah. Yes, Hillary. Really? Yeah. Are you getting information right now? <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce wow. in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Now, listen, yes. I just want you to know people are going to see this and say, okay. She's All Democrats are going to try to play you. Wait a minute. Let's get to this. You ain't black, sir. That's shit. things they want from you and one of them is a black woman running mate what, what do you say to them what i say to them is that i'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered but i guarantee this is pre kamala there are multiple black women being considered oh that's find that interesting more clearly now in a, in but a he picked the cop county they're six times more likely to die in a pandemic than a white county they're disproportionately why did he pick the cop disproportionately Let's get on. Let's talk about Joe a little bit. You know, there's no real flow to the show. There's a flow, but there ain't a flow. That shit had me tripping. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. It's personal, and it, I was actually very, it was hurtful. I would have to ask black voters the question, like, you know, why do the old white men you know, who have the most racist legislation towards black people. Why are they, you know, the top two? He said, what? I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. It's personal. Now that's who Kamala's running with. Yeah, that was a quick clip of that. Now, Joe Biden, I saw a clip couple days ago on sorry let me turn my mic I saw a clip about Joe Biden man that shit was crazy let's see if we can find it on the crime bill speech woo that shit crazy oh here we go Let's see, let's run it. This is her running mate. It matter whether or not the person that is accosting your son or daughter or my son or daughter, my wife, your husband, my mother, your parents, it doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no 
background that enabled them to have to uh, become uh, uh, social uh, become socialized into the fabric of society. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, take on my sons. So I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the street. That's number one. There's a consensus on that. Unless we do something about that cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, Wonder who he's talking about. developing because they literally, I yield myself three more minutes, because they literally have not been socialized, they literally have not had an opportunity. We should focus on them now. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets that society has, in fact, in part because of its neglect, created. Again, it does not mean because we created them that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Beyond the pale. And it's a sad commentary on society. We have no choice but to take them out of society. And the truth is, we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them at that point. That's the sad truth. I'm the guy that said rehabilitation. When it occurs, we don't understand it and notice it. And when we, even when we notice it and we know it occurs, we don't know why. So you cannot make rehabilitation a condition for release. That's why in our system, there's the federal system, you serve 85% of your time. It's a shame, but we don't know how to rehabilitate. But there is a consensus, and I will cease. A, we must make the streets safer. I don't care why someone is a malefactor in society. I don't care why someone is antisocial. I don't care why they become a sociopath. We have an obligation to cordon them off from the rest of society, try to help them, try to change the behavior. That's why we do in this bill. We have drug treatment and we have other treatments to try to deal with it. But they are in jail, away from my mother, your husband, our families. But we would be, being, we would be absolutely stupid as a society if we didn't recognize the condition that nurtured those folks still exist, and we must deal with that. Wow. Mm-hmm. got some more. Hold on. What is this? Let's see. They talk about, oh, his involvement in civil rights, which was a damn lie. Cause you just you just heard the speech. You don't care about what your issue was. Here, getting calls. I was going to say Jesus. Yeah. Wilmington, Delaware. I came out of the civil rights movement. I was one of those guys that sat in and marched and all that stuff. During the 60s, 
I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I was not an activist. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of Wilmington, Delaware. I was involved. I was involved in what, what they were thinking, what they were feeling. I was involved, but I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. I was not anywhere else. I was a suburbanite kid who got a dose of exposure to what was happening to black Americans when I in my own city. You know, when I was a now, teenager in Delaware, Obama make the same claim. for real, I got involved in the civil rights movement. We have the eighth largest black population in America. Most people don't know that. And uh, I'd go to 8 o'clock mass, then I'd go to Reverend Herring's church where we'd meet in order to organize and figure where we were going to go, whether we we're going to desegregate the Rialdo movie theater or what we were going to do. I got my education for real in the black church. And that's not hyperbole, it's a fact. But I got my education, Reverend Doc, in the black church, not a joke. Because when we used to get organized on Sundays to go out and desegregate movie theaters and things like that, we'd do it through the black church. I was no big shakes, Reverend, in the civil rights movement. I was just a kid. I got involved in desegregated movie theaters and helping, you may remember Reverend Moyer in Delaware and Herman Holloway organized voter registration drives coming out of black churches on Sunday, figuring how we were going to move. In October, uh, I was invited to uh, the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis to receive the Freedom Award, a thing when I sat in black churches on the east side of Wilmington getting ready to, and by the way, next to Jewish, two Jewish rabbis, uh, getting ready to go out and desegregate movie theaters in Delaware. Um, I never, ever thought in my life I would be worthy of, and I'm still not sure I'm worthy of it. Now, that's funny, because these claims have been proven to be false. Now, if we go back to... ...of them. Born take back the streets. It doesn't matter whether or not the, the person that is accosting your son or daughter or my son or daughter, my wife, your husband, my mother, your parents, it doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. It doesn't matter or not whether or not they had no background that enabled them to have, to uh, become a, a social, uh, become socialized into the fabric of society. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, take on my sons. So I don't want to ask what made them do this. They must be taken off the street. That's number one. There's a consensus. Like, like I said, Unless we no greater vote suppression than mass incarceration. Now, I mean, you can even go back to Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris was even saying some stuff. Now she's running with him. Look at that. Pete. To coddle the reputations of segregationists, of people who... To coddle the reputations of segregationists, of people who, if they had their way, I would literally not be standing here as a member of the United States Senate. 
is, I think, um, it's just, it's misinformed and it's wrong. Should he apologize for that? He's going to have to make that decision. But, you know, let's be very clear that the, the, the senators that he is speaking of with such adoration are individuals who made and built their reputation on segregation. The Ku Klux Klan celebrated the election of one of them. So this is a very serious matter. Yeah, she was going hard on him. Going hard on him. Well, I guess it's cool now, huh? Because she had her feelings, too. She was locking folks up on the other side. But now she want to act like she, you know, she got amnesia. Now... Interesting, interesting. Hold on. Let's run it back here. Because in... See, I'm trying to do three things at once. Because this right here. California's Kamala Harris is the first Indian American U.S. Senator. The state attorney general took on another Democrat, Loretta Sanchez, for the seat. It was the first time a Republican wasn't on California's general election ballot in more than a century. Though her win is historic, it's not really a surprise. Polls showed Harris leading by double digits heading into election day. Mm-hmm. And she received... Yeah, very, very promising. She did big things. First Indian American senator. I mean, I guess she's black now, but... Uh, She's black now. No comment. So yeah, she's black now. Because you know, the you know who's say she is. Joe Biden and the who you know who's. Joe Biden says you don't vote for me. You ain't black. And the sisters. They are an army of members of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority who have been among her most loyal supporters since she pledged at historically black Howard University. There she is, fourth from the left. I spoke with her sorority sister, Lori Sadler Rice. You've got the strength of all of Alpha Chapter, of all of Howard University. And then well, the she dated Imhoff at that time. I wonder. Do you ever wonder? <laughs> no shade on that. I'm not against interracial relationships. But it's just, you know, she, man, she got many, many faces. You know, just like you know who did. Oh, yeah, just like you know who. Oh, you forgot who I was talking about already? Barack? You remember that? Remember how he did, black folks? He said, he said, let me clear my throat. Flint's recovery is everybody's responsibility. 
And I'm going to make sure that responsibility is met. That's why I'm here. To tell you directly that I see you and I hear you. <laughs> we invest. Uh, can, can I get some water? Can he get some water? Mm-hmm. Gonna fall for it again. I mean, it's just, it's just fucked up, man. It's just, Trump can't win. And some say that, why should be afraid of getting Trump in office? And some even saying Trump did stuff for black people. I'm not getting into all mm-hmm. that. I don't really think he should be reelected for a few reasons, but Joe and Kamala in there, I don't know what we're going to see. And I just don't feel good about what we're going to see. And it makes me, and it's upsetting. It's real upsetting. Anyway, I've been running almost an hour. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut cut this one and we're going to put it on some later podcasts and some other stuff I have um, pretty interesting we're just going to close out those two clips when she got in that oh yes she said she said look well, let's put it inside. We're going to close out with this. Throwing all your support, because she was an AKA, because she was down with the sisters. But we never get nothing from these politicians. They're scaring, trying to scare us into voting this way, that way. We ain't got, they ain't giving us nothing. Do you support reparations for black people? No, let's get to that. At the, at the same place, and they're not, stack, they're not starting on equal footing. It will directly benefit black children, black families, black homeowners, because the disparities are so significant. So if we focus on the specific issues that Trickle have resulted down. in the greatest disparities, and we understand that that's part of why we're doing it. Listen, the, the reality also is this. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not gonna sit here and say, I'm gonna do something that's only gonna benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole and the country, right? Senator Harris confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a, quote, false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation oh, Joe's a right. broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but 
She put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as chief labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail so system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. As the elected attorney general of California. Fact, fact check. <laughs> Yeah, fact check it. Ah, I just want to see what's over the marijuana thing. She was smoking weed, big weed. We're going to talk about Kamala Harris. She's a Democratic presidential candidate. Kamala Harris sat down with the Breakfast Club radio show yesterday. So is that going to put some voters off, or will they appreciate the honesty? And it might be noted that when she was a prosecutor, you might know this, she was not for this, right? Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you, when you're a prosecutor, you're enforcing the laws on the books. And I think it was in uh, 2010, mm -hmm. she, you know, she voiced support for medical marijuana legalization five years later, but she prosecuted these kinds of cases, as did I. Um, but I think her evolution on the views sort of mirror what's... <laughs> Yeah, her evolution on the views. Let's see if we get it, get this clip real quick. Kamala Harris's comments from her radio interview with The Breakfast Club are sparking controversy. Have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. Like and I, and I inhaled. I did, inhale? I did, I did inhale. inhale. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Harris explains her pro-pot stance and admits that she indulged in the substance while in college. Man, you can't make this shit up. We're going to close out. Last week, Senator Kamala Harris finally made it official. I am running for president of the United States. Yeah. And <laughs> the California Democrat is trying to position herself as a reformer who works tirelessly to correct the abuses of the criminal justice system. But the senator has one big problem, her long record as a law and order prosecutor. Harris's new memoir, The Truths We Hold, makes no mention of her past as an old-school drug warrior, a defender of dirty prosecutors, and a political opportunist who has made life more dangerous for sex workers. Harris doesn't apologize for her previous stances, even those she now disavows. Instead, she's decided to try and convince voters that she has always been a progressive prosecutor. How do you reconcile your contradictory past with what you claim to support today? I've been consistent my whole career. Here are some of the stories that the senator is hoping Interesting. Interesting. So we're gonna close it out. Have a good day. Talk to you later.